Hello and welcome to Jonathan's Verdicts. I'm Jonathan Simeone. The title of this episode is Coronavirus and the Economy. The verdict for this episode is none of the proposals in Congress are good enough. As always, I don't edit these podcast episodes and I don't have a script. They are just a chance for me to talk about what's on my mind. I was prompted to record this podcast after reading newspaper articles about the compromise working its way through the Senate today and after seeing some interviews with politicians from both parties. And even people that I traditionally agree with on a lot of things, like Bernie Sanders and AOC, Uh, are not grasping the full magnitude of what's happening here. Uh, Their proposals are insufficient uh, to meet the need that is actually uh, on the table. And the plans are not targeted enough to give serious, sustainable help to those who are most likely to be impacted by the virus both from a physical uh, and an economic standpoint. So let me discuss uh, some of the things that that I hear politicians saying. Uh, And this is in no particular order. Politicians are talking, uh, sadly, uh, almost maybe entirely on the left, of the need to stop utility payments, mortgage payments, rent payments, an eviction for the duration of the coronavirus pandemic. I absolutely agree with that, 100%. I think uh, existing efforts should be stopped uh, to collect and evict, and no future efforts should take place to collect debts and evict. And by the way, this includes student loan debts. But here's the thing that's not being discussed as it relates to this issue. Uh, If you're living paycheck to paycheck and you get a six-month suspension in mortgage payments and so forth, um, you are not going to be able to ever pay back that back rent. So what that means is we are just kicking the can down the road. Eventually, lots of people who lose their job, even if they go back to the same job or a very similar job, they will eventually be evicted. Uh, They will eventually be able to pay back or, or, or have their utilities turned off. Uh, eventually, their student loans will go into debt collection. When you uh, are living on the financial edge and your jobs, the job that you have, maybe the jobs that you have, uh, do not allow you to do much better than pay your immediate bills, Uh, You have no chance of paying back back rent, back utilities, 
and the like. So if we were going to be serious about this, we would have a proposal that not only suspended rents, um, you know, eviction payment, uh, evictions, student loan payments, utilities and the like, um, but we would be addressing the long-term stimulus package. Now, one way to do this is to give people more money now uh, so maybe they don't have to pay, uh, they don't have to take advantage of not paying their rent and utility bills. That's the easiest way to address this issue is simply not ask people to take advantage of this leniency. So that brings us to the issue of how do we give people money and by how much. The bills on the table go from giving people uh, 1200 a month to – or 1200 to $2,000. Uh, for some people, that is um, money they don't need. And for those who really need the help, honestly, it's dra dramatically insufficient. Uh, for a lot of people in this country, a uh, $1,200 check will not cover a month's rent. So this is a drop in the bucket for some people, and it's nothing to other people. Now, some people say we shouldn't means test these checks. We should collect it back by taxing higher income earners later. In principle, um, I could agree with that. There's a, a good reason to get away, you know, to not put in as much bureaucracy and so forth. But does anybody really believe <laughs> Congress is going to raise taxes on anyone next year? I mean, it, it's a laughable – I can't even imagine a situation where that happens. So – if we don't put in a responsible plan now, then we're not going to recover this money later. And there's another piece to this as well, which is that by giving money to people who don't need it, um, we're, we're taking money away that could be given to others. So let's get into what I think would make a lot of sense. The people that are most likely to be physically impacted by the coronavirus are seniors and people with disabilities. Um, those are the people most likely to get the sickest, the most likely to require hospitalization, and the most likely, unfortunately, to pass away. And by the way, that's uh, people with respiratory disabilities and autoimmune disabilities. Uh, a, a blind person like me has no greater risk of contracting uh, or suffering illness from coronavirus than does a sighted person. But here's the thing. Uh, since those are the people most likely hurt and we know loads of people are going to lose jobs and millions have already and we also know a lot of families – are really struggling with children being out of school. One way to really target the money 
and do it without creating a whole new bureaucracy is to simply say that we're going to increase the payments to people receiving Social Security supplemental income, SSI, Social Security Disability Insurance, SSDI, uh, TANF, which used to be called Welfare Aid to Families with Dependent Children, um, increase money to people on SNAP, food stamp benefits, uh, and increase, uh, give checks to parents, to families with children registered in the school lunch program. Uh, My view is that those folks should get $3,000 a month um, if you qualify for one of these checks. It should be $3,000 a month. And at a minimum, it should last for the duration of the pandemic. Um, Now, what that would do for a lot of people, it it would not require them, it would not force them to be unable to pay their rent, pay their utilities, and so forth. It wouldn't protect everyone, but it's a a decent amount of money. Uh, The other thing we need to do is look at people who are going to lose their jobs, like I said. So anyone who loses their job during the uh, pandemic, instead of getting 60 to 70% of their income as normal under unemployment insurance, should get their full salary. Their full salary should be covered by the unemployment program. And, of course, what that would do is it would enable folks who lose their jobs uh, to pay any bills uh, that they normally pay in the way that they normally pay them. So, again, that would keep, in theory, a lot of people from falling behind. Not everybody, but it would, it would be far better than what's coming out of Congress. Uh, <clears throat> another thing is to look at what do we do about seniors? Uh, obviously, maybe the hardest hit group physically by the coronavirus. So one option here is to increase Social Security retirement checks by a minimum of 2000 a month to a maximum of 3000 a month for the duration of the pandemic, depending on how much the... Uh, depending on how much uh, each person gets. With the person, the smaller the check, the higher the benefit under this program. So um, if if you were a factory worker um, and you got a smaller Social Security check, you would get 3000 a month. If you were a banker and you got a very large Social Security check, you would get 2000 a month. I would be okay with means testing this program and giving the 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 weller the more well to do um, social security retirement recipients nothing I just said giving them two thousand because uh, traditionally in this country we give everyone with social security something but I would be happy to cut that out and give them nothing again I think this check uh, an additional. Um, let's say 3000 a month for the poorest um, of the elderly folks 
would definitely help people weather the financial storm uh, during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Another thing we have to look at when we talk about all this is a, a lot of these programs, you know, specifically SSI, SS, uh, SSI, SNAP, um, TANF. Uh, they all have um, they all have uh, asset limits, and so what we need to do is, if you're in the program at the time of the pandemic or you qualify. Um, we're just going to waive the asset limit for the length of the pandemic and six months beyond the pandemic. Uh, as someone who's been on benefit programs, the asset limits are far too low anyway, and the, the government does not have the bureaucracy to check everyone who is and will qualify for these programs. So if you qualify for the program, check your assets at the door. Uh, and once you're in and you're getting these checks, these you know larger than normal checks under the program, uh, we're just not – the asset limits are out the window. Uh, it's it's going to be a far more efficient way uh, of handling things. We also have to look at what about the people – you know, I think right now it's 28 million people who don't have health insurance. Uh, this is uh, a disaster. Um, so what we need to do is anyone who doesn't have health insurance automatically, immediately qualifies for Medicaid, uh, whether they register or not. If they go to the hospital, whether their ailment is related to coronavirus or not, uh, they are automatically enrolled in Medicaid and the expenses are paid. There was a story of uh, a woman without insurance who wound up having coronavirus and was sent a bill for $34,000. That is absurd. Uh, we cannot have that kind of thing happening during a pandemic. Uh, so, so all Everyone, uh, everyone who does not have another um, insurance automatically qualifies uh, for Medicaid. Right off the bat, done. By the way, I chose Medicaid because it doesn't have the 20% coinsurance rule that Medicare does. So if you are uh, really struggling financially, Medicaid is a far better deal for you than is Medicaid. And the uh, the federal government needs to say that whatever the normal Medicare funding formulas are, uh, the FMAP, uh, the federal government will backstop everything for the states. 100% uh, of Medicaid costs will be borne by the federal government for the length of the pandemic and uh, a few months beyond the length of the pandemic. Uh, the states are going to be crushed uh, financially by this pandemic because of the severe decrease in tax receipts and states cannot run deficits the way the federal government can. So the federal government is going to just have to take this. Now, uh, obviously, uh, there are things 
missing. There are always people, no matter how comprehensive, no matter how robust a plan you have, there are going to be people that aren't going to be helped. And I think there are issues we have to think about. You know, if we're not going to mail everyone a direct check, what happens with gig workers, for example? What do we do about that? So on top of helping everyone else, uh, maybe we need to also add that everyone uh, who uh, is not uh, – doesn't qualify for benefits that I've just laid out, um, everyone who is left out of that, uh, we probably have to create a new, uh, a new program that people can register for that will give them um, benefits – monthly payments to make up for the gig jobs, the freelance jobs, the contractor jobs that are going to dry up. Now, I'm going to be really honest. I don't have the federal data in front of me to begin to construct how that program should be administered. Uh, But I do know that we need to create something like that. There are people who are going to lose all or most of their income and they are not going to qualify for traditional unemployment insurance. And something something has to be done about that. I hate leaving something hanging like that, but I literally don't have access to the data uh, that would require – that would even enable me to make a responsible attempt at figuring out what a program like that would look like. And I really don't like just making stuff up. Uh, lastly, to return to the student loan issue, um, again, we the 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 idea here really needs to be to put enough money in people's pockets that they don't need to pay to to get a forbearance or a suspension of their student loans. But in the case that that happens and somebody is in that position, I was glad to see that the bills on the table uh, do not accrue interest, which means that, you know, 60 days or 90 days from now, uh, somebody can um, can pick up where they are today. But I would say this, putting an artificial timetable on it is not how I would go. What I would say is um, each individual can have their student loans in suspension and not accruing interest until they find meaningful work. Uh, The damage to the economy is going to be disastrous in this case. And we can't put these arbitrary 60-day or 90-day limits on the help that people need. Uh, And before I go, I just want to say I have no idea how much this plan that I'm talking about, all these ideas would cost. I'm certain it's trillions of dollars. Uh, But I also don't care. Uh, I, I literally don't care. America has to rise to the occasion and help people in a crisis that is both an economic collapse that could rival the Great Depression and a physical health collapse uh, that could rival the flu of 1918. 
the fact that these two things are happening simultaneously uh, and the fact that the global economy is crashing, uh, the, the response cannot be too, uh, too big. We have to get this done. Uh, and we have to take care of people, and hopefully this can turn into a model for programs that don't leave people wondering what will happen the next time we have a calamity in this country. And I think that's a really another really important piece of this, is people have to have peace of mind, they have to be able to survive, uh, but ultimately we have to get to Medicare for all. Uh, we have to get to a health care system that actually does, doesn't uh, um, just try to make profits and so doesn't have enough supplies of hospital beds and, and uh, masks and PPE kits. Um, we have to get to a system of, that is more collective, more uh, communal, uh, and less built around profits. And lastly, I'll just say one uh, one quick thing. I'll probably wind up doing a longer one about this, but about the corporate bailouts. Uh, it is an outrage that these companies that have spent so much money on stock buybacks making the wealthy wealthier now are coming wanting no-strings-attached handouts from the federal government and from the taxpayers. Uh, my view is we should fix all of the employees, as I've discussed in this episode, and we should let the airlines and cruise ships and so forth go bankrupt. Let them restructure through bankruptcy. They won't go away. There will be airlines. There will be cruise lines. There will be hotel chains. But make them deal with the consequences of their selfishness and their lack of preparedness. Take care of the employees and let them work the rest of it out through bankruptcy. That's what I would do. Uh, there's no way Congress would be that brave. So assuming we have to have bailouts, there has to be real strings attached. So what I would attach to the bailout money is uh, we change the law so stock buybacks are once again illegal. They were illegal until 1980 or 82, I think. Uh, make them illegal again. Uh, change it so that employees, a certain number of employees, have guaranteed representation on the boards of directors. Uh, Reinstitute the Glass-Steagall Act which again is probably too technical for a quick episode, like for, the, for just a quick topic in this episode. But the point being, there cannot be any free money for these corporations that have gouged the public uh, and done stock buybacks for the wealthy for 10 years and now they want a free ride. You know, uh, I was supposed to go to a conference in Kansas City and obviously my the conference I was going for work, it was canceled, and I haven't gotten a refund on my money. So uh, I don't get a refund, even though it's not my fault. It's, you know, the virus is why I'm not going. But the airlines want free taxpayer money. 
The free lunch for corporations has to end. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jonathan's Verdicts. I'll be back soon with another episode.